and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. I'm so careful about putting things into my body these days, and this is the only CBD company I've come to trust with my wellness. They are organically farmed, gluten-free, and have absolutely zero THC in their products. It's just a clean CBD to help you ditch your stress, sleep better, and soothe anxiety. My absolute favorite product of theirs is the orange cream gummies. They also have raspberry and strawberry, which are really good. And after about two weeks of having one gummy every single evening with CBD in it to treat my little sweet tooth with a dessert, I can't help but notice that my sleep has drastically improved every single night. I actually wear a ring to measure my sleep and it's just undeniable what these little gummy friends have done for me. And without THC, you're just getting the calming effects of the CBD plant, none of the high, which is why they are so safe to take. They each come in 10 milligrams or 25 milligram doses of CBD to calm you down from the day in the sweetest and tastiest of ways. And the best thing about them is that they don't taste at all like CBD. I once tried another CBD gummy bear from another company and it was like, whoa, it tasted like I was eating a skunk wrapped in marijuana and sugar. So anyway, I've come to love these little gummies from Soul CBD and as a way to love myself, to use whatever resources exist in the world that help me be more well as a human, these are so one of them. So our friends at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com slash soul. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the U-Turn code at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get in to this week's episode. U-Turn friends. Okay. So I have someone on the podcast who interviewed me. Uh, I was just on her podcast and I knew I had to have her on here because you hear me talk all the time about money and someone who is an absolute queen at talking about this is Jamila Soufrant. Um, Jamila is someone who is out there in the world teaching so many about how to be financially independent, how to be financially successful, how to manage your money, um, and how to work on your mindset with your money and just reach financial independence. And she Mm -hmm. also has a journey to launch show her podcast, which is really epic, highly recommend for you to listen to for your own financial and career inspiration. Uh, And today I want to talk to her, of course, about financial freedom. What does it mean? What are some of the steps that you can take to get there? Um, And I'm not just going to be asking for you over there. I'm going to be asking for myself. Jamila, thank you so much for coming on. Actually, it's a pleasure to be on this show. So thank you for having me. Yeah, you um you know everything about the things that I know nothing about. So I'm really excited to ask you all the questions. 
Um, when was it that you realized you've got a knack with money as a topic and in general with your life? Have you always been good at this? Well, so this is what's so interesting about like the money expert conversation. Mm-hmm. I feel and I think we all can become money experts according to our, our own money lives, right? Like we, in our individual lives, mm-hmm. because we all have different things that we like doing and and any advice that you get for whether it's me or another financial educator or expert, like you still have to tailor it to your specific situation. So for me, you know, I kind of accidentally came into this as a career, like journey to launch being my full-time thing. But Mm -hmm. I always say like, I remember being, you know, a small child. I actually immigrated here from the Island of Jamaica. My mom was a single mom. She had me at 20 years old. And so money was really important (laughs) because we needed it to survive. Everyone does, but it felt different growing up um, and seeing my mom work so hard to provide for me. Mm -hmm. And I just always had this interest in having money. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't necessarily, I didn't know about like managing it or investing it, but I saw what my mother and my grandmother were able to do as immigrants coming here. Um, and like providing a life for me, that was pretty, you know, it was a good life. And she did, my mom specifically did as much as she could with what she had, which allowed me to kind of one, have that kind of like saving mindset Mm -hmm. because everything that she was able to do, even my grandmother, like, because it was because they were savers, Mm -hmm. not investors, but savers. And so I kind of grew up with that. Well, if I get a dollar, I should save some of it. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of ingrained in me, but it wasn't until I got into college where I was still saving money. I had an internship. I was saving most of that money. I had a corporate internship and I was able to buy my first condo at 22 or put down on it um, as a down payment in this area called Dumbo in Brooklyn. Oh my gosh. Um, So Dumbo, for anyone who's not aware, it stands for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. And the reason I did that was because I saw my grandmother buy a three family home in Fort Greene before it was a really desirable location. And so I always had this knack for I just want to own something I, I want. Real estate, real estate is interesting to me. Yeah. And so I was able to do that. And I did end up purchasing um, a studio apartment that I still own today. And it, that was kind of like the basis of like my financial foundation. Um, but I felt like I was a lot of, like a lot of other people like in life who don't understand investing or the power of money because I had that in, that investment, which is really just where I lived um, when I was in my early 20s. I had a decent full-time job and I knew I wanted to have money, but I just didn't know how I would have enough money to not work because I, that was always also a goal. Like I was like, I don't want to work for anyone. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm my own boss. But then I was like, well, how am I going to pay my bills? And so I kind of like got into the corporate ladder, started to make more money, started to have more bills. I had a mortgage. Um Later on in my 20s, I got engaged and I was just like, well, you know, I guess I should just like have this life where I just spend like most people. Right. I'm making good money. So that equates to having a nice car, a nice place to live, spend a lot, spend enough on a wedding. Like but investing like that's something that only rich people do or that's not something that I can I feel like I want to focus on. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until my early 30s where I was commuting. So I always had this long commute, but it was my early 30s when I was pregnant with my first son. Mm-hmm. that I had this moment in the car because my commute is usually like an hour and a half. And this commute took like three hours and I was pregnant, heavily pregnant. Oh my gosh. And it was just like this real, this is realization, like coming home, like this cannot be my life. Like sure. Mm-hmm. You're making good money and you have an outside from the outside. It looks like you have a great career, but you're not happy. Mm-hmm. And really if you didn't want to quit this, how would you support yourself? Mm-hmm. So I started to look through like in Google how do you quit your job? All these catchphrases that like, if you're not happy in something like you sometimes Google. And I came across the concept of financial 
financial independence. The FIRE movement, which stands for financial independence, retire early. Mm. And I found podcasts and I found blogs of regular everyday people saving and investing their way to freedom. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't something immediately that they would do in like, six months, but like over time they were like changing how they spent money. They invested more. And then in 10, 15 years, they were able to like quit their jobs, travel the world or start a business. And I was like, well, maybe I can do that. Like, that's something I can like learn to do. And so I started to immerse myself in podcasts and blogs and kind of self-taught myself like this path to financial freedom, which eventually led me to starting journey to launch mm. on the side while I had my corporate career as a blog. So the blog was initially just to chronicle my way to mm. financial freedom. Wow. I had a goal to do it by, yeah, I had a goal to do it by 40 years old. And, um, as I started to share more, I was like, why not do a podcast? Cause you know, blogging is cool, but it's easier if I talk. And so a year later I started the podcast and literally, I know you talk about this, Ashley, like as you start to hone in on your gifts and you just follow like breadcrumbs, you get opportunities. And I started to see so many opportunities with what I was doing, so much great feedback that eventually I did end up quitting my job when I was, as soon as I gave birth to my third child. So if you've been keeping track, like <laughs> between like my initial discovery of financial independence to then now quitting my job, like three kids now, mm -hmm. but I felt like this is the path. This is the next best step for me. And financial independence and journey to launch. Like it became the thing that I kind of uh, focused on and now it's what I do full time and I, I'm enjoying it. Beautiful. I'm like <laughs> so inspired listening to you. And one thing that's coming to mind is that I want to talk to you about like spending and feeling good because I think a lot mm. of people like spend and kind of feel like shit, you know, like I myself had an incredible amount of debt that I paid off. And I imagine that, you know, the majority of the population has debt, not the kind that's a mortgage, but the kind that's like, you know, too, too many outfits they bought or whatever it's college. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it can feel so paralyzing when you're paying off all this debt to feel like financial freedom is anywhere around the corner. Um, so I want to ask you just about like, how does somebody even get into the excitement of saving to retire early, the fire movement? Um, how do they even get into that vibe if they're stuck in the throes of debt? And what are some tips you have maybe from a mindset or a tactical standpoint with that? Have you ever been in debt? Have you thought about perhaps switching birth controls or maybe even trying it for the first time and yet maybe you don't know where to start? Favor, the company once known as The Pill Club, provides personalized access to care from the comfort of your home and delivery to your door in discreet packaging, on time, every time. Stay in control of your reproductive health with the resources available from Favor delivered straight to your door. They have more than 4,000 five-star reviews and Favor carries over 120 FDA approved brands and ships to all 50 states. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, prices start as low as $6.99 per pack without insurance. Favor delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging along with fun self-care extras. And right now, when you go to heyfavor.com, that's H-E-Y-F-A-V-O-R.com slash U-turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N, Favor is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every U-turn podcast listener who becomes a patient. Your donation is going to help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org 
That's heyfavor.com slash U-turn to get your first birth control package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember that's heyfavor, H-E-Y-F-A-V-O-R.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. You must use the link to make your donation. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, I mean, I've had student loan debt. I've had, you know, I did have credit card debt, but I used to pay that off. Um, I primarily use credit cards now, but I would take it back that when I first heard of the financial independence concept, like basically, so let me just explain like technically what that means. It's where you have enough money saved and invested to where you don't have to actively work for money ever again. Like literally Mm -hmm. your portfolio, the passive income from that portfolio allows you to pay for your expenses. Mm -hmm. And so that is a dream. Like, and it's not that. And so the retire early part is optional. You know, most Mm -hmm. people that I find that who actually reach financial independence, by the way, I'm not there yet myself. Mm -hmm. They actually make money still. They're still working, but they have a choice. They have options. And I feel like most people, when they hear that, Initially, it's like, that's amazing. Who doesn't want that? And then they kind of like think back to where they are in their life and like, but wait a second, how am I going to get there if I (laughs) like I'm in debt or, you know, I'm so far away. Like, what do you mean have all the money in the world that I'll ever need? How much is that? Like, there's so many questions that come up, which is why I was so interested in in expanding on it myself with my own platform, because I know that it's not just a thing you just do um, and you stick to and it's easy. It's not. And I think for people to pretend or act like, oh, this is accessible and anyone can do it in five years is not realistic for many people. So what I try to do is I try to plot out like the path most people take and break it down instead of having like this one long marathon, like you can make it into sprints. And so depending on where you are, like there are levels to financial independence and you don't need all the money in the world invested and saved to have freedom. So mm-hmm. for myself, for example, I'm not financially independent, but I'm at this level and we can go through like this different stages yeah, where I'm, to. where I'm work option. Well, I have work flexibility, meaning I can choose what I do for work and how I make money. So like me being able to quit my job, like, and having the freedom to pick up my kids, drop them off, have my own business. That would have never been possible if I didn't start the journey to financial independence. Mm -hmm. So to take it back to your first question, I think it's important to discover or understand where you are on this journey. And I break it down into five stages Mm -hmm. ultimately. So stage one is what I call the explorer stage. It's where maybe you first hear about this concept and maybe you're not able to pay your bills. Um, So you maybe you have bills, your income is less than what you're spending. So literally you're in the red every month and you're really just like, I just need to find a way to to sustain myself in this lifestyle that I have, right? So that's like stage one is to get stable. That's your mission is to get stability in this stage. Now, once you get that, like you're able to pay your bills, you have a budget, you're able to like live a decent life, right? Um, Now you're moving on to a stage where if you do have debt, which is a lot of people are in this stage where they have consumer debt. So that's anything like credit cards, car loans, um, any debt that you really want to pay off that you're in the stage of paying it off. Now, if you think about it, for some people, it took years uh, years and years for them to get into debt. Mm -hmm. So any of these stages, they're not stages that you can like come out of necessarily in a week. Like they will take some time, but even in that debt payoff stage, which I call the cadet stage, there's ability to achieve freedom because at every debt or every dollar you pay down, you're getting more flexibility. You're able to use that dollar somewhere else towards the life that you want. Mm -hmm. So that's stage two. Now, once you're debt free, consumer debt free, and I'm not including student loans or mortgages in this stage because quite honestly, for some people like that is could be hundreds of thousands of dollars and 
to me, debt is not all bad. Honestly, if you have an ability to control how you use it and use it to your advantage. Stage three is what I call you're working on security, financial security, the aviator stage. It's where you are now, you're out of consumer debt, but you're able to invest and save more, a majority of your money towards your goals. And so you're building that security that helps you have more options. And so when I found out about financial independence, I was somewhere between like that finishing paying off debt goal and building security goal. So I, when, when I, so I was able to save and invest aggressively, like when I had my corporate career, because I had like placed myself, even without knowing about this concept of financial independence in like the third, second to third stage. The fourth stage is where I am now. I call it the commander stage. It's like the work flexibility stage. So it's not that you have all the money you ever need again, but you have flexibility where you can walk away from a job that's not serving you. You can do something else. You can take time off. Um, you can say no to things, right? Like it's this beautiful place that I actually do feel like most people can get to. Um, and then ultimately stage five is where you do have it all in terms of the money and you don't have to actively work. That's the captain stage. That's financial independence stage. So I broke it down like that because I found that many people, like when they did find out about the concept, they'd be like, how am I going to reach this stage five, this ultimate level? I'm at stage one or I'm at stage two. And it was really to show them that anyone that's been and gotten through stage, like to stage five has had to go through these levels unless they just had, you know, no debt and they were not living like the average American life. But it is possible to achieve the freedom that you want along the way. You, because once you're paying off that debt, once you're learning about investing, like the same person you have to become to reach financial independence will automatically be able to create like this person who has more options in their life and can make better decisions as it involves their finances. Love this. Okay. So it, it, it kind of that was a lot. That, no, but it was great. I mean, this podcast loves a framework. I love steps. So that was like speaking my love language, but I, yeah, I'm trying to figure out like, I thought you would say the person in debt is like stage negative one. So I was surprised that that person is in stage two, because my belief was that when you have debt, you have instability because you're in the hole. Um, but you were saying step one is just to get stable. So can you explain like, why is the debt piece part like in the second stage? And what is some advice you have for people who are paying off debt? Any sort of hacks or wins that you can give them? Yeah, because, you know, I just think I, debt is a part of unfortunately, and fortunately in some cases, uh, that is a part of life, right? So if we make it, if I started out or I said that, you know, starting, if you're, if you have debt, you're in a negative position. And by the way, like your net worth, like technically is described as like your assets minus your liabilities. So what you own minus what you owe. So a lot of people have a negative network because of their debt. Mm -hmm. Right. But for me, when we're talking about financial independence, we're working with the reality that people have debt. So mm -hmm to encourage people, to encourage myself, um, friends, family, anyone who's listening, who I call journeyers on this path to continue on. It's kind of like, this is what, these are the cards that we've been dealt. Sometimes we've been dealt it. Sometimes we, we pick the cards up ourselves, right? Like we have to have self-responsibility if you have debt, like how you got into debt. But so many of us, you know, we weren't taught about like how much student loans to take out or selecting a career that could pay off the student loans that we took out at, or about credit cards, right? Remember mm -hmm. like if you were on a college campus and you saw those credit card companies come and like, you know, you didn't think about that. And so the reason why it's not like a negative stage or the first stage is because you can get out of debt. Mm -hmm. Um, and depending on how you view debt and your, your income, income is very important, um, in all of this is that you can manage it. 
so I find so many people who will say like, oh, they don't feel like they can live their lives or have fun or, you know, until they're like completely debt free. And I do think that's important to reach at a certain point, but you can still invest. You can still enjoy your life while on that path, but you have to create that space, the confidence um, to do that. And I found that just like putting it in stage two, um, which a lot of people, again, are in this stage two, it allows them to begin to work a plan to pay off that debt so they can move through the stages. Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Athletic Greens. And what I love the most about them is that their products are not only carbon neutral, but they taste amazing. I started taking Athletic Greens because I really wanted to get all the nutrients and vitamins possible in one swoop and I just couldn't bring myself to drink all those green vegetable smoothies that taste like the grass. So I wanted something that actually tastes good and was perfect for me. And I've been on Athletic Greens for a few weeks now and I am just loving it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. You know, it has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. And with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. So this really special blend of ingredients is so supportive for your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, anti-aging, all the things. Right now, it is so time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially as we're in flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. I even throw mine in my smoothie. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash U-Turn. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And they're giving one year of vitamin D that is so insane with your first order. I'm so excited for you to check it out. Now let's get back to this week's episode. That was my next question is just around like spending money in this stage two to three, because so many people are in this stage who are probably listening to this episode. Um, what are, so let's say, you know, Sally is listening right now. She's got, you know, 50 K of debt and she never thought that she could be investing at all when she has negative 50 K. So how do you kind of draw that line between the responsibility to pay something off that is charging you interest and the responsibility to your freedom to start keeping liquid in the account when it's probably tempting to pay off the debt so you're not beholden to something anymore. Like what what would be the first step for someone who has that maybe three credit cards that are maxed or something like that? Yeah, so awareness is, which is what we're doing here. Um, Mm -hmm. If this is the first time you're hearing about this is like, you know, like stage zero, right. In Mm -hmm. terms of what you should be like, now you know about this, but now you need to understand where you fit in. Like how much debt do you have? Right. Like, so do an assessment of your debt, right? Like writing out all your debt. Cause this is going to be important when you now start to think about what you pay off first and how long it may take you um, and how much money you have to pay it off. Right. You need to have an understanding of your cash flow, So your income and your expenses. So once you kind of have these numbers, this assessment of your current financial situation, you know, what's coming in, you know, what's going out, 
you know, like your debt payments and what you owe. You even know what your investments are or what your opportunities are to invest. Meaning if you work for a corporation, you potentially have a 401k, hopefully that you can invest in. You're still an investor, even if it's just a 401k, because some people think they have to be kind of like day trading to be an investor. And it's like, no, if you have an access to a 401k, you can, you are an investor. Mm-hmm. So it's understanding kind of where you are on that spectrum. And so Sally, if she has $50,000 in debt, my first question to her is like, what is that debt comprised of? Mm-hmm. What's student loans? What's credit cards? And what are the interest rates for those debts and the balances? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to want to think through like some debt, like the, if it's a low interest rate, that may not be a priority at first for you to pay off. It'd be the higher like credit card interest rates that you can pay off. And then you can start to create a plan like because of what your cash flow is on how much you want to pay off. Mm-hmm. So if you've been paying the minimum, right? So hopefully in stage two, you should be able to pay the minimum of your debt. Mm-hmm. But the goal is to pay more so that you can get out of that consumer debt faster. When you have an idea of your cash flow, when you have an idea of your budget and spending, you can consciously look at, okay, what do I need to change so that I can create a bigger gap to pay off that debt and invest? Mm-hmm. So that may mean I need to earn more money or that mm-hmm. may mean, you know what, I'm spending in a lot of areas that actually don't make sense or I can cut back for now. I can mm-hmm. make this, del- I can do, del- I can have delayed gratification and sacrifice in the meantime to get to my ultimate goal. And so a lot of that has to happen where someone needs to sit down, look at their current state, look at where they can find the gaps in order to be able to like aggressively pay off their debt. And you decide Mm -hmm. how aggressive you want it to be. Mm -hmm. I know for me, when I made that decision that I was going to pursue financial independence and I didn't want to stay at my job, it it almost felt like life and death, like for me to figure out how to do it. And so I was willing to sacrifice things like going out to eat and putting a budget around that and vacations for a short time in order for me to have the extra money to save and invest. Mm -hmm. So that is what kind of guided me and Sally or whoever's listening will have to understand what's going to guide them to figure out if they're going to want to do it aggressively to like pay off debt. And then the last thing I would say about investing, because I do think it's still important to invest, even if you do have debt is it doesn't have to be a lot of money, but again, if you do have a 401k and they offer you a match, so that's where a company typically will match up to a certain percentage of what you put in, then you should at least put in up to your match, still focus on paying off debt, but Investing compounding interest works works both ways and you can't ever get that time back. So mm-hmm. even if it's $10 that's going from your paycheck to your 401k or you open up a Roth IRA, which are all investing terms, you know, we can get into if you want, like those are still important to do because it helps build that muscle for you while you're paying off debt. Beautiful. Okay. And, you know, I love what you were talking about with delayed gratification, because I think one of the things, you know, it's funny, my, my big sister, she used to tell me like, Ashley, you don't have a spending problem. You have an earning problem. And so I love what you said about, you know, thinking about, okay, there's two paths. You either cut your spending or you make more. And, um, you know, sometimes as business owners, especially, I feel like, um, yes, we can make more, but sometimes our revenue streams feel kind of locked in and we're at capacity and then you got to cut some expenses and it's so hard to make that decision. And one of the things that I learned as I paid off my debt was that my inability to have paid it off faster had to do with a lack of being able to self-soothe in those moments that I wanted instant gratification. So the moments that I wanted that vacation, I wanted that dinner out, I wanted that dress, or I wanted to buy the thing, I couldn't talk to myself in a way that would make it okay for me to not have it. And so really my debt was just a form of impatience. It was just wanting everything now. And like they always say, whoever the people are who, you know, say things like you you can't have it all at the same time. 
So, um, really good advice. And I, it's actually really refreshing to hear you talk about investing, even when you have debt. Um, so like, you know, I've never really talked to anybody on the podcast about consolidating debt. Do you Mm. have any thoughts about that? Because I'm guessing some people listening, maybe they have multiple credit cards and they're like, okay, if I look at myself in the mirror, it's going to take me three years to really pay this off at a price I can pay every month um, and invest. Um, what, What does it even mean to consolidate debt? And do you advise people to look into that? Yeah. So, okay. Before we get into the consolidating of debt, um, conversation is important because even if you consolidate debt, think about like someone who wins the lottery. Like a lot of times they say someone wins the lottery, like oftentimes, like if they didn't have the financial, um, measures in place or the mindset, like they lose it or they become even worse off because they Mm -hmm. never really knew how to manage that. If they didn't know how to manage a little bit of money. So like giving them a lot did not help. Right. And so I find that while sometimes debt consolidation can be a good thing, we have to think about like, where the debt came from in the first place. Like you said, like why? So you talked a little bit about like for you, you had awareness of why you were doing that. Mm-hmm. And so if you still have that that behavior, then even if you consolidate your debt, like that's not going to change anything. You just now have just one debt pile and you're still doing the behavior. Yes. So it's important to understand like what led to the debt. Um, like are those behaviors changed? Is that mindset different? Do you have systems in place to help support you now on this like new journey that you're on where you can be excited about paying off your debt? Or do you have the same environment habit mindset? Because that then you shouldn't do that. Nothing's going to change. You're just going to end up back in the situation you were in. Mm -hmm. But in some situations, yes, consolidating debt can be good, um, especially if you have high interest rate debt. There's so many like fintech companies now um, that could be potentially good, like that, you know, debt consolidation where there's like low rates, um, but again, I always caution back to let's fix the root of the problem yeah. before we just put a Band-Aid on it because it'll just continue to bleed through the Band-Aid and that won't yeah. be good. I love what you're sharing here. It's so important, the, the mindset of it and the habits of it. Um, and I want to remind everyone yeah. from a psychology standpoint, you know, like we kind of recreate as adults what we grew up with. And, you know, I grew up in a kind of unstable financial household. And so that was a comfort zone for me for a lot of years was like, I would use money as a weapon to destabilize myself and to stay into that comfort zone. It was very unconscious. So, you know, Jamila over here, she saw money as a tool for empowerment and you learned you learn that that is a comfort zone. So that's how you worked. And so paying yeah. attention to your comfort zone and your roots is so important with this too. And I do want to just normalize, like even me, like we talk about spending money um, and still feeling like maybe guilty or just um, insecure about it. Is that I, at managing my money to help forecast kind of like what our future looks like as a family, because while I can speak to this, while I can translate a lot of like complex financial jargon, even doctors need doctors, right? Like even people who consider themselves like experts in certain areas. And I always say like, I'm an educator, you know, other people can call me an expert and like, I'll take that, you know, I'll take that crown, but it doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes or I don't sometimes have moments of, oh my gosh, can we really afford that? Or should we be doing that? I think, I think that's normal. It's a, it's a normal feeling like money 
like it's 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 it is even though again i had like the stable background like or at least uh saving was something instilled in me i still was missing a lot of components and there was still instability and i still see how that comes through in like my negative money mindset um behaviors now so i just want to make it clear like it's if you do have feelings um and you're anxious or you don't have it figured out like that's okay even the experts even though they may not ever admit it they don't all have it figured out either um and if they do like great for them but i just feel like normalizing the real true emotions behind our money is like the first biggest step okay such powerful stuff to look at and um you know uh, people don't know how to spend money in a way that feels good we know how to spend money a lot of the time in a way that makes us feel shameful where deep down our nervous system is not is activated when we're shopping um or we're spending um and so i, I would love some feedback on like how do you start to tune into feeling good with money um and and i don't know like what is a, a mind shift outside of that commitment of like, yes, I, I want financial freedom that you think really helps people start to get more honest with how they're spending and, and help them achieve that freedom? So I find that when I have my moments of insecurity about money, what brings me back to knowing that I'm OK is because I have systems in place that show me that I'm OK, meaning I have a budget, I have an emergency fund. I usually plan for expenses. So we went through recently like a big um, basement renovation. Like we're taking our most expensive like trip, my husband and I to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. Oh. And yeah, so like, I feel like um, when when I have those moments of, oh my gosh, like, can we do this? I'm like, let's calm down. You can, let's look at the budget. Let's look at what you plan to do. This is in line. Um, and so I find that if you want to have that, it's really important to understand like kind of like, again, where you are, you need to understand like a budget while I know a lot of people kind of have an aversion to it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll admit here, like I'm not, I'm, there's some people who love checking their budget every day. Like I follow some other personal finance um, creators and like, that's their thing. They're so excited about like the budget that they check every day. And in the beginning of my journey, I checked mine every day too. Cause I was like on a mission to quit my job. So every mm-hmm. dollar counted today. I'm not as, you you know, um, constricted or watching my budget every day, but you need to have guideposts because what Mm -hmm. happens is a lot of people, you spend money or you're doing things. You're like, wait, can I really do that? Should I be doing something else with my money? Whereas like a budget actually can help you give you freedom because if you know exactly what you intended to do, like your budget basically is here is where I need to spend for the month. Mm -hmm here's where I'm spending, here's up to date. And some things are fixed, right? Like your mortgage, um, you know, certain bills are fixed. Then you'll have all these kind of like, you know, uh, fluctuating costs, maybe going out to eat with friends, shopping. But if you have a income that comes in and you're budgeting that money ahead of time and saying, here's where this is going and you're keeping track of it, when you go out to brunch with your friends, instead of feeling guilty at the end of the day and saying, dad, I actually don't know if I could have afforded that. Like I just spent a hundred dollars. It's like, oh, there's $200 in my budget for going out to eat. I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. And so it can help alleviate that. So you really should have these systems in place, like a budget um, that you can work towards. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to kind of figure out the style that, you know, or the app or the way it works for them, but that will help immensely and prioritizing in your budget. So mm-hmm. what my husband and I did to be able to save and invest aggressively the way we did in the beginning was we had to create a budget. We didn't have one before. And it was all about, Okay. After our fixed expenses, what are the nice to haves? Mm -hmm. You know, going out to eat, 
uh, even groceries, like, you know, even though that's a necessity, like, you can there indulge was like a, more than other times. Right, yeah, right. Sure. Uh, there's, there's a great meme because Trader Joe's is like my favorite place. And someone yeah. says, I don't go to Trader Joe's with a budget. I just go for the, with the like vibes. And you just like pick everything and you overspend. Yeah, totally. um, <laughs> Wait, I have to ask you <laughs> before we even I go just, further is like, yeah. what's your favorite Trader Joe's product? Because I freaking love their cauliflower gnocchi, their pumpkin butter during the fall. Like I could just go on. What's your favorite? Oh my God. First of- I love almost everything. At tra- if it has Trader Joe's on it, I'm like, it has to be good. It's yes. like, it's a great product, even though that's probably not the best. Like, but um, I love all the things, especially for my kids. Like they love the chocolate. We love the chocolate bars. Um, mm. And like, we love all the specialty, like the popcorn. My kids love the. Yeah. Uh, the- and like just I just I don't know I just feel like you know what to expect at Trader Joe's but, um it's really important though like if you have like the line items in your budget you can start to say to yourself what is what matters to me right like mm-hmm. we want to do it all but like let's just say after you did your budget and you have this goal of paying off debt and at the end of at the end of it all like maybe you have a hundred dollars left where does that hundred dollars go yeah right like does it go to additionally paying off your debt how bad do you want to get off debt or does it go and add to like you're going out to eat um you know, budget line item. And yeah. so even with the budget, you can still include room for fun. Yeah. And maybe it's not like the fun that you would have if you had the lifestyle you wanted. So I kind of also um, talk about this thing called guacamole lifestyle levels. And a lot of us, <laughs> like for me, love like this level, I, I love a good framework. I love like levels. I love it too. As no you can wonder see, we but... got along from day one. I was like, this girl has a framework. Okay. Right. But like with the guacamole um, stuff, it's kind of like, you know, there's like a guacamole level five. I'll just do five and one because they're so different. Five yeah. is just like, OK, let's go from one. One is like you make your own guacamole at home. You will never okay. buy guacamole outside because you're just like, I don't have the budget for that. And I'm not spending money outside to make guacamole. Level five is like you have you have a guacamole private chef, right? Like yeah. you're. Like someone could come to your house and make guacamole. You're paying for it on that level. And so I find like a lot of times, like the budget that you're creating currently doesn't, it can be like the one or two level of guacamole, meaning like you're either making it at home or you're budgeting for it when you go out. Yeah. But it's not like you have to live that lifestyle forever. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just in the moment until you get to your next level. Mm -hmm. And so instead of thinking about it, like, well, if I cut back or I can't have all the things I want, like what kind of life is this? I'm working so hard. Instead of looking at it like that, if you can switch it around to finding enjoyment and satisfaction and being proud of yourself for paying off the debt for investing and still enjoying guacamole here and there. Like there's a balance to that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I know we're like, <laughs> we no, a couple I, of tangents there, but, I think that's so yeah. fun what you're sharing. And um, you, you bring up a couple things that I've also learned is like, we all have different patterns from our upbringing. And one of the patterns that people might have with money is not being conscious of where it's going. Like it, it could just be this blurry, foggy topic. I remember when I was in debt as an entrepreneur, I just said yes to investing in everything in my business because I was coming out of this worthiness thing where I wanted to be bigger and bigger and more and more. And I couldn't self-soothe. I needed the instant gratification. So I was just really impatient and, and putting everything on a credit card and hoping that I could just pay it off quick enough. And I think that pattern of not paying attention or being conscious um, is really broken when you create a budget. Um, do you have any tips or spreadsheets or budget things for p- other than what you shared? Because I imagine someone who's listening right now that they're like, damn it, I need to create a budget. I've never done it before. Where do I even begin with this spreadsheet? Like, what do I do? What's your, what's your go-to tool or 
anything to make it easier? Yeah. So um, there's an, there's there's multiple apps you can Google, but I would give one that I, I typically give to other people or it's um, or I use myself. It's called YNAB. You need a budget. It's mm-hmm. literally made just so you can create a budget. But again, there are other budgeting apps and it connects to your bank accounts. But you do have to go in and manually kind of like tag things in, according to your like the categories that you've created for your budget. Right. Mm -hmm. So that can be a good starting point. I've heard from multiple people, even for myself, like it can be a learning curve, but once you get it, people are like, Oh my gosh, this has changed my life because it's on your phone. It's on your desktop. So when you're actually outside, right. Um, at your grocery store, you can actually look at your budget. The important thing too, I find that people who are really new to budgeting. So like there is every dollar gets a job. Like that's one type of budgeting, um, that I've, say most people should use because literally if you bring in $2,000, that $2,000 is budgeted out blind like that. It, every dollar is going towards something and it's budgeted out in your budget. Yeah. It has a line item. Right. And so I find people like, all right, so I created a budget. I, you know, I put rent, you know, my necessities, groceries, light bill, insurance, like, you know, you're going down the list of where you're spending. Um, and then it's like, I'm done. And it's like, no, 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 you're not done. Like that's like step one. You do that at the beginning of the month or right before the next month starts for your current, for the month that you're going ahead in. But what you need to do, what's really important is the variable expenses. So the mortgage like that typically, or the rent, that's going to be fixed. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that comes out, let's say, I'm going to use a ridiculous number for us being in New York city, but like $500, let's just say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which we know is not New York city, but like, you know that, right. But where people get tripped up is like the variable things, like maybe going to the grocery store or going out with friends. Right. And so you need to keep track of that. And when you're first starting, like if you're stage one or two, the stages that we talked about before, it's important that you actually are on top of that more. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're checking it because how are you going to know if you just did your budget for the beginning of the month, but you never looked at it again. When you go to the grocery store mid month or towards the end of the month, how are you going to know how much money you have left in your grocery money to spend? So you have to create a practice of whether it's every day, every other day or once a week reconciling your budget. Mm -hmm. So you said you were going to spend this. You said you were going to spend $200 in groceries. How much did you spend so far? You got to put that in. So that way you know how much you have left to spend for the month. And then knowing that allows you to make decisions. So if you have a fixed income and you already spent more than that, where is that extra money coming from? Is it coming from another category that you have to borrow from? Are you going to have to now make more money that month? And so I find that that is important. Like just like that mindset of create a budget. You can use a spreadsheet like Excel or Google Sheets um, if you want to write it out. But if you want more kind of like something that's syncing and you can look at on your phone, apps like YNAB help, but it's not just enough to just do the budget one time. Yeah, You have to actually reconcile it. And I will say just hopefully for just looking forward, it's not something you have to do. Like for me, I said, I did it every day or I did a lot in the beginning when I was like trying to quit my job because I I was on a mission. Mm -hmm. So I cared where every single thing was going. I have more flexibility now. Uh, I have more room in my income or in my budget now. And so I'm not checking it as often. I still use a budget, but I'm not as strict strict on it. And so I think hopefully that gives people um, some leeway if they think like, well, I've got a budget like every day for the rest of my life. Like if I'm not into it, like not necessarily, you can adjust as you need, as it's necessary. Okay. I love that so much. And I also know that another piece we talked about was investing. So before you go, I would love like any feedback for anyone who wants to get started investing. It can feel just like an animal. Like what, 
do I freaking, where do I put this money? I full disclosure, everyone, I invested in crypto and I forgot my password. So like, that's how my investing is going right now with that. I mean, I invest in real estate as well, but, um, can you give any resources, tips, mindsets around investing, um, what you love to invest in just for people to get some inspiration on that? Yes. Okay. So if you are feeling confused about investing, it's by design in our society, like to make it feel complicated. Uh, And, you know, these are the things that we should be taught, like in high school, in college, there should literally be classes on this. Um, And they're changing that now. There are a couple, but uh, I just want to say like that it's normal to feel confused about it, but that most people, or if you are lucky enough to be working in a corporation, And like I said this before, like you have a 401k. When I started working in my corporate job, I could care less. When someone said, you have a 401k plan, you know, you can invest in it. I'm like, I want all my money, like in my paycheck today. (laughs) That 60-year-old Jamila, like I'll I'll figure it out when I'm, you know, when I'm older. Like I need my money now. But I didn't understand like compound interest, like the fact that if you start earlier, you need to invest less over time. And so... I I go back to, and if you're older, it's okay. You know, there's still time ahead. Um, You still have time to invest. It's more of, if you have access to a 401k at your job, immediately like get your login information, see if they have a company match, at least do up to the company match. So some companies will say, we'll invest, we'll match you up to 5% of like what you put in. And so it's considered free money, but it's really part of your compensation package. And so Mm -hmm. you should be using it because like they're literally thinking or using that as part of like what they are saying they're paying you. And so um, at least investing up to that and really having the confidence and the pride that you are an investor that way. You don't need to invest in like the fancy stuff just yet. Like, so I know that there's like, you know, the cryptocurrency and all like these, even real estate, like those are, well, I'm not gonna say crypto necessarily is great, but those can be great vehicles. Mm-hmm. But I find that people want to skip over that like, and not focus on the basics. Mm-hmm. So the basics are, are you investing in your company 401k plan? Do you understand the options available to you in your 401k plan? And then even if you're not and you don't have like that kind of um, access to a 401k, you can open up something like a traditional um, IRA or Roth IRA at an investing company like a Fidelity or Vanguard. Um, and you don't always have to pick individual stocks. So I'm not, you know, this is purely informational. I'm not like giving you stock advice. But for me, like I'm a big fan of index funds, which Mm. just tracks the entire market. So I'm not picking and choosing stocks and necessarily reading like, you know, the company, um, uh, news to see what, if I should buy something like that's just, I don't have the type of time and energy and patience level for that, but I know a lot of people who do. And so for me, I rather just ride the market out. And so an index fund, they're usually low cost. Um, there's a bunch of index funds. Um, I actually have an episode d- dedicated to talking about oh, index funds, which we can link to that. Mm-hmm. A great blog and a great book about investing. It's called the simple path to wealth by JL Collins. Um, he has a blog and actually like a free, uh, like kind of just like series where he talks about investing mm. and, and, uh, basically helps demystify what it is and how simple it can be mm-hmm. because so many people make it more complicated than it needs to be. And literally by just consistently investing over time, even if you're starting out with just a hundred dollars and you eventually like grow that is better than not doing anything at all. Yeah. Um, and so that's my advice is to, if you have a 401k at your job, look into that, get that password, understand what's what options you have, at least invest up to the company match, learn about index funds, um, check out the book, the simple path to wealth 
and um, he has a, his blog. I can give you the link to the free um, resources that he has, awesome. but it really just talks about how you can invest. This has been so great. I'm so excited for everybody and their to get their budget on. And I'm going to be one of you. I have a budget for my business, my personal expenses, but I'm not cl- keeping close enough track on it. And I, I like what you shared. It's It becomes automatic once you start to get to know yourself and your spending. So I'm definitely going to be on that app you talked about, reading the books. Um, thank you again for coming on. Where can everybody find you? I know everyone listening, obviously, just saw all the knowledge. So Journey to Launch podcast with Jamila is definitely the move, but where else can everybody go? Yeah, you can check out journeytolaunch.com. And I actually do have a guide. So if you're, this is like your first time hearing about the podcast, people usually ask, okay, what episode should I start with? What are the most downloaded? You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart and it will oh. actually break down the five stages that I talked about and then give you some of the top episodes. But I'm also on social media at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Woo! Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.